I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the The Movie Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome. Hello. To the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In every episode, we start off with the Week in Review, what movies and TV shows we've been watching since the last episode. Move on to the main event, whatever topic of discussion or main review we'd like to do in that episode, and then finish up with Film Faves, our respective list of our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic, often marching backwards through time. In this episode, we're going to forego the film phase because what we're going to do is a week in review segment, and then the main event will be our 2020 preview. Those of you who have listened to the past couple episodes may know that we were going to do the 2020 preview as a bonus episode, and then also a, a regular episode of a review of something. We talked about maybe rhythm section or whatever, but... We're trying to catch up from being a little bit behind, and with Shanna's work schedule, the only way to do that was to just combine the two and forget about the bonus episodes. So apologies for any confusion there, but this will be a light episode in that respect. And we are in the process of preparing future episodes for Film Faves, so we're giving ourselves a break in this episode and skipping the Film Faves segment so hopefully that all makes sense let's get into the week in review shannon if i understand correctly while you were working or whatever during the past uh, couple weeks you never got to see anything on your own is that correct i think i'm kind of dabbling i checked out riverdale to see if i would like it I'm halfway through our four-episode requirement to see if we like something or not. Yeah, what we do, just kind of personally, is like give a show four episodes. Uh, That seems to be a good enough chance. So they get four chances. Yeah, because what? (laughs) The pilot episode isn't always a a good representation of what the show is going to be, right? But by four episodes, you're starting to get the groove of what the show is, yeah? Yeah, I would think so. So at that point, we decide, eh? Or, yeah, and mm-hmm. you're, you've only seen a couple episodes of Riverdale? Yeah, I think I'm heading into episode three. It's very high school, what's that word, melodramatic? Yeah. And so I don't know if I really want to do that. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Well, check out those couple episodes and maybe report back in the next episode. Yeah, um, otherwise I'm just watching The Simpsons, enjoying Disney+. Plus. All right. That's what I'm up to. All right, cool. So I have a couple of things. First, I will talk about Dolmite is my name. This Oh, you watched that? I did. Huh. I did check that out. It's the Eddie Murphy oh. starring biopic uh, about a guy who was kind of down on his luck. He had a hard time basically becoming a success anything that he tried be it music and a variety of different things he tried doing just never really hit it big and he would do some stand-up comedy that never was any good but then all of a sudden he created this persona called dolomite if i remember correctly uh hence that's where the name comes from and he just saw suddenly hit it big on the comedy circuit in the African-American community, in particular in the 60s and 70s. 
And all of a sudden, he had these hits comedy albums. And next thing you know, he's like, I want to be a movie star. So he made the movie Dolomite, which is actually available also on Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. You could find that, too. It's not reputed to be a very good movie, but it was a huge hit. And anyway, this movie, Dolomite Is My Name, kind of details that and what the production was like of that movie as well. And so I will say Eddie Murphy is awesome in this film. His character is ever the optimist. He's a bit of a buffoon, and he's, but he's also the struggling entrepreneur. It's In that sense, it's kind of a great entrepreneur film and is somewhat inspiring, too, because, like, you know, this guy, he had periods where, like, he would make a venture and nothing would work out. Like, he made the film, let's say, and he had no way of distributing the film. And so it was just sitting there and he had all these debts, you know, and a lot of entrepreneurs, they know what it's like to have all these debts racked up and waiting to be paid. And you have no way of paying it because that thing just hasn't clicked yet with what you're trying to do. And then all of a sudden, for many people, it does. And you all of a sudden achieve that success you want to do. And this is a really good example of that kind of tale. The last 10 minutes, which I won't detail, they make a good film, a really good film. Um, But I recommend checking out Dolomite Is My Name. I don't think it's necessarily one of the best films of the year. Maybe it would squeak into the top 20, but definitely top 30. It's a 7 out of 10 from me. That's Dolomite Is My Name. Which, by the way, I always thought Dolomite was a weird name. I was like, does that have any sort of historical significance like where does that name even come from if anybody has any insight on the name dolomite feel free to email because um it's an unusual name isn't it dolomite yeah yeah i think dynamite but that's just <laughs> me and my ex. it's black exploitation crime comedy film that's literally Something the movie like that, that we're talking oh, about okay. that, that he created so All i don't right. know if he just made up that name or what but anyway that is its meaning <laughs> yeah the next thing i saw was Pedro Almodovar's latest film last year called Pain and Glory. It starred Antonio Banderas with a small sporting role uh, played by Penelope Cruz. It's essentially a quasi-autobiographic tale of this director who is kind of in a... not a great spot in his career let's say he's later in his life Antonio Banderas plays this dude part of the problem is he's got all these physical ailments his back is always killing him he's had surgeries on his back and stuff and he's always having to take these prescription drugs to try to help with the pain and things and this is actually not too dissimilar to Pedro Almodovar himself by the way but the thing is like He comes into contact with an an actor of one of his movies who he had a contentious relationship with. There's this theater that wants to show this movie 30 years later. They think of it as a classic, and they want both the director and the actor to, to show the film. And so he gets in contact with this actor, and it turns out this actor actually does heroin. And, and it's the kind of thing that he that Antonio Banderas' character tries because he's like, eh, I'm curious. I, you know, I'm always in pain, so why the hell not? I'm hesitant to say anything more about what happens in the, the film. 
I will say it isn't mostly about his addiction to heroin, and that's surprising and uh, kind of pleasant. But I will also say that this gives us one of Antonio Bandera's best performances. Mm. I'm actually really surprised. I think I learned the other day that he is only now been nominated for an Academy Award, which surprised me because I figure, well, the guy's been around for like 25 years or more. Actually, no, technically he's been around since the early 80s if you count his early Almodovar work because, you know, he's worked with Pedro Almodovar for what? Like, I don't know how many movies, eight movies or something, you know? Surely he was nominated for something before, but apparently not. And he's definitely deserving of it in this film. And it has a very interesting, thought-provoking, and surprise ending that makes you reflect or realize something about some of the scenes that you see in the film. Mm -hmm. And it makes you kind of think and think about what Almodovar is trying to do and say with this film. And so it's, it's a very good film. I recommend checking it out. If you're at all interested in Pedro Almodovar's work, if you're interest, if you're a fan of Antonio Banderas, uh, and you want to see some of his uh, more dramatic work, check out Pain and Glory. I think you will not be disappointed. And I gave that movie probably an, also a seven out of ten. Now, also been watching some more DC animated movies in prep for a future episode. I have a couple that I'm going to speak to that I saw pretty much alone. And then we have a couple that we've seen together, Shanna, that we'll talk about. The first one I'll speak to is what is essentially collectively known as the Death and Return of Superman. It was released as two separate films as well, The Death of Superman and The Reign of the Supermen. First of all, if you take the two separate movies on their own terms... Death of Superman is shockingly one of the best animated DC films ever made. I was really struck by by this film. It, it, it blew me away. It is, of course, part of this series of DC films that started back in 2014, I think. That's kind of like an adaptation of the New 52. And in general, I'm not a huge fan of the New 52 movies. But this one is awesome. Flash, who I think is played by Neil Patrick Harris in this film, is really funny. It, the film balances humor with also a, a certain degree of intensity. It's very bloody. The fight scenes between... Uh, well, essentially, if in case you don't know, essentially all of a sudden this creature comes out of nowhere and is on this murdering rampage. The Justice League try to stop it. They can't. And eventually it's up to Superman to stop it. And, of course, title of the movie. Uh, it is based on the 1992 legendary story where they, DC Comics actually did kill off Superman. And everything leading up to that is very well handled. Uh, you actually do kind of fear for the lives of Justice League members because you're like, well, if, if Martian Manhunter can't do anything, if Wonder Woman can't do anything then Batman's in trouble. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, did, uh, you didn't get to see this, right? No. Okay. So it was good enough that I actually rewatched it with our son Logan. Um, like, you got to see this. This is really good. 
The other half of it, Reign of the Superman, is not as good. Unfortunately, it does have a lot of really good stuff. What happens in that is there's these four people that show up that claim to be Superman. Um, You have uh, Steel, you have Superboy, you have the Eradicator, and you have Cyborg Superman. Uh, One of these are supposedly the real Superman. And when you have scenes with the four of them, that works really well. But what doesn't work really well is there's a character that I won't spoil named Henshaw. And everything having to do with Henshaw in the third act especially. And just explaining the, the character Henshaw and what Henshaw, everything having to do with Henshaw, does not work for me at all it doesn't make sense not a single lick of sense so uh a little bit mixed on the reign of the superman half i give that maybe a six and the death of superman half an eight overall making a film of the death and return of superman a seven i also watched a little known movie that's based on the batman animated series called sub-zero Its official title is Batman and Mr. Freeze, colon, Sub-Zero. Have you ever heard of this movie? No, but I'm really keen to learn more about about him. About Mr. Freeze? Yeah, I always think he's Frozen because Incredibles. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I I liked Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze. Oh, dear God. (laughs) Why? Well, I thought the makeup was pretty, Uh you know, so as a kid. So, I mean, okay. that was my only interpretation of him. So, of course, I'm kind of starving for a new interpretation, right? Okay, so pretty much everything about that version of Mr. Freeze is awful. Except the one thing that was retained in Batman and Robin about Mr. Freeze was this whole thing about him trying to bring back his wife, right? Or, or something like that, right? Oh, Either that bring version. her to life yeah. or... Or she's dying and he's trying to heal her. Whatever, right? There, there, there is a version of that in Batman and Robin. That's one of the key things that has been fairly consistent in most versions of Mr. Freeze. And that's true for Sub-Zero as well. So if you're interested in watching a movie, a story about Mr. Freeze, this is actually a pretty good one. It also heavily features Batgirl, Barbara Gordon. So a lot of fans of her might be interested in checking it out. I think there is a reason, though, why you don't hear about this movie being talked about very often. Why? It isn't, it isn't a worthy follow-up to Mask of the Phantasm, let's say, which is a movie that we talked about a few episodes back considered the best if not one of the best batman movies ever made this one it's fine it's fine it's just a step up from a prolonged episode of the cartoon if you could say Mm. it's a solid six out of ten movie nothing fantastic nothing terrible it is, you could kind of tell that they're trying to do some different things with the animation and the direction of how, like, the camera moves and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it kind of looks like they tried integrating some CG elements in with the 2D flat drawings of the Batman animated series. But it, you know, it's fine. If you're a 
if you're a big fan of the animated series and you haven't seen this, definitely check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. But um, I don't think anybody out of their right mind would ever claim this is an outstanding or one of the best uh, Batman stories you'd ever you've ever seen. So uh, that's Sub Zero. Now, Shanna, let's segue into our weekend review, which consists of two more DC animated movies that you wanted to check out. The first of which is Wonder Woman Bloodlines. Let me set this movie up, what it is. It's essentially, first of all, it is part of this new 52 series of films. It came out last year, 2019. And what's interesting about it is it kind of straddles the timeline of Justice League War that we talked about a couple episodes ago and after that movie uh, that was the movie that had the whole big fight with dark side so this movie takes place before and then also after with wonder woman it focuses on steve trevor especially him crashing landing on themyscira and what happens after that and a friendship that wonder woman begins i guess <laughs> what's he she befriends in her time in america after war and what happens with that friendship it's full of wonder woman villains including cheetah giganta what's her name dr poison is that right yeah and and uh silver swan which is a huge part of this story shannon what did you think of wonder woman bloodlines i know that you were looking forward to it especially after having seen the 2009 carrie russell film that's my favorite one and it still is my favorite one i what i liked about this film was there were lots of female characters so we kind of we even saw cheetah did you mention mention cheetah i did oh okay so we really got to see all of those associated with wonder woman mostly and that was really that was the cool part. Mm-hmm. The not so cool part was like this constant back and forth of Diana not being certain of herself, Diana forgetting who she is, Diana being submissive. I'm not into it. What do you mean when you say Diana forgetting who she is? When I think of Wonder Woman, I think of the woman who knows herself and is compassionate, kind, brave and doesn't take crap Hmm. okay so if she sees an injustice of the slightest kind especially against women she steps in you know and she'll maybe point her sword in your face not necessarily to stab you but like you know she she gets it sorted out especially in the recent movies yeah and so like my favorite part of the 2009 wonder woman is when there's a little girl crying because the boys won't let her play swords and wonder woman teaches her how to do the sword and gives her a pep talk and also tells her that the boys aren't even doing it right, you Mm. know? So, like... There was none of that in this movie There's none of that in this movie for Hmm. me. Nothing. Not even the slightest bit. And I didn't like... Is it... Who is it? The man of interest. Steve Trevor. I didn't like the portrayal of Steve Trevor. Really? I like his... How he got there. And I kind of liked how they had to escape Themyscira, but I didn't like who he was as a person. Why is that? I don't know. Something's just off. It doesn't feel right to me. He doesn't feel appreciative or in wonder of Diana, whereas the other one, you know, he is. It's this man appreciating this woman for who she is. And I don't see that in this film. 
I did like the portrayal of the woman in the chair. What's her name? Oh, Etta Candy. I loved her portrayal. That made me really excited about the film. Yes, I'm glad you brought her up because that is one huge difference in uh, in this version. And then I also liked Silver Swan's evolution and character development. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like how it ended, but we'll, you know. So there's a lot that we disagree on with this movie. I think I definitely liked it more than you did. Let, let's say well, for the point of Steve Trevor. Nathan Fillion is the guy who voiced Steve Trevor in the 2009 version that you liked. And he's 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 good. I like him. But everything that you said that you saw in that Steve Trevor, I also see in this version, but he is a he is also a lot more of a soldier in this version too. He's also the comic relief a lot of the times in this in this too. Uh, how he reacts to Wonder Woman, the things they have to do, some of the characters they interact with. Jeffrey Donovan is the voice actor of Steve Trevor, and I I didn't have any issues with him or his performance in general. That's just that's just one of the things that we completely disagree with on this one. In case you don't know who Jeffrey Donovan is. He had a TV show called Burn Notice for a long time, I think on USA. Oh, I remember that show. Yeah, it wasn't too bad a show. So that's, but that's who he is. I actually enjoyed the film. I, I feel like there's a lot to appreciate about the movie. You're right. the The fact that the cast is the core cast is mostly women, right? You got Wonder Woman, of course, Silver Swan, Cheetah. You have. Doc, this character named Doctor Cyber, Etta Candy. Of course, there's a couple. Someone Kale or Cade or. Yeah, I was going to get to yeah. her. Uh, you have a few uh, Amazonians. You have Julia Capatalis. Kap- I apologize. I just butchered a Greek name. Um, Your Greek sucks. It does. Uh, you were referring to Veronica Kale. So a really uh, cool cast of characters. Good cast of voice actresses, including Constance Zimmer, Nia Vardalos, Cree Summer, and, of course, Rosario Dawson, who, at first I had issues with her performance in War. I think she voiced Wonder Woman in War. Uh, She's definitely voiced most of Wonder Woman's parts since then. But I've come to actually appreciate her version of Wonder Woman over time as I've seen more and more of these movies, and this is definitely no exception. I like, in terms of the character Wonder Woman, I think this is something that we also disagree with. I like that she's tried to make herself available to one of the main characters of this movie, who gets very easily butthurt over her over Wonder Woman. And she's tried to be there, be available, make reparations, constantly just be a warm presence to this character. I, I, I've appreciated that about her. I think that it, it also balanced, like there is a certain degree of vulnerability. Like, you know, she can have her feelings hurt too. Uh, she's human, you know, sort of speak, even though she's demigod. She's not entirely human. So no, I don't agree with that statement. <laughs> you don't agree that it's okay for her to have her feelings hurt? It's okay hurt? for her to have her feelings hurt, but usually what she does is she verbalizes that and makes it right. 
As opposed to internalizing it. Yeah, she's not an internalizer. That's what women in the real world do. Yeah. Okay, so I need Wonder Woman to be the one that doesn't internalize. I don't, I, I, I get what you're saying. So I think that, you know, that's fair. That's totally fair. Mm. Uh, I think, yeah, there's a lot of other things to, to really appreciate. I think there's a development of resentment and how usually resentment is depicted in a movie as one incident makes someone from good to completely bitter and evil. And in this case, it's a lot more true to reality where it's just a buildup over time, a kind of a gradual thing. And then one thing's kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that about the, the film. I appreciate that they integrated elements from Greg Rucka's run that I absolutely love from like the early 2000s. Characters like Ferdinand and Veronica Kale are in this, uh, which is awesome to see. Michael Doran, by the way, plays Ferdinand, and it's great. Is there any any uh, last things you want to say about your point, your stance on the film? For you, the there's more bad than good. Yeah, I think so. I I don't like the portrayal of Wonder Woman in here. I just don't like it. All right. What would you give the film out of ten? A four. Ooh, wow. Whereas I would definitely give it a 7 out of 10. Not everything works for me. Not all the dialogue works for me in the film. Well, apparently it works just fine with a 7. But there is more good than bad, yes, <laughs> for me. So that's Wonder Woman Bloodlines. We have one last film to talk about before our main event, and it is Dark Knight Returns, which was kind of a, a one-off that was split in half in initial release put back together in a two-and-a-half-hour two film adapting Frank Miller's legendary story starring Peter Weller as Batman, uh, Michael Emerson as Joker, and uh, so on and so forth. The list goes on. Tress McNeil, I think, who plays Dot in Animaniacs, I think played Catwoman in this uh, film, too. Shannon, what did you think of Dark Knight Returns? Is this your first exposure to that story and And what did you think of that story? So as I was watching the film, I was very excited by it and was really enjoying the ride because it really, there's a lot of weaving of intricate pieces Mm. and everything pays off in the end in some shape or form. I don't think this was my first exposure because there's a certain point where the film you know, has certain things happening with important characters. In the Tunnel of Love. Yeah. That looked like I'd seen it before Mm. in some way, but I can't recall how. I mean, it might have just been in passing on TV or something. Okay. But this was the opposite experience of Bloodlines for me. Mm. I loved this film. I felt it was a little like Watchmen because it was older heroes, older villains, and they haven't really changed. They are who they are, and they're still battling each other in some way. And if anything, they ba- it's like a fun exploration of them each battling with something within themselves, too. Hmm. Um, maybe coming, coming to terms with age, coming to terms with change, coming to terms with things never really change. It's it's all a pattern. So I really like that. I like the Robin character a lot. I loved I loved each character really. The Robin character, 
whose name escapes me right now. I think, is it Cassie? She's played by Ariel Winter from Modern Family. A lot of people would know. I should probably also note, for those who aren't familiar with the story, essentially this takes place 10 years after Bruce Wayne retired as Batman. Gotham City has since become overrun by uh, youths that they refuse to call themselves a gang because there's so many of them, but they're called, they're known as the mutants. And they have a leader, the mutant leader. And they basically do whatever the hell they want, all kinds of crimes, uh, any whim that they like, often murder or rape, by the way, certainly robbery. And it's a question of whether or not Batman is going to come out of retirement. He's he's trying to struggle. He's struggling with himself. Like, can he ever leave the bat behind? Um, or is that always a part of who he is? And what you're you're talking, you're speaking to that aspect of it as well as uh, it goes to the villains too. Well, and the villains seem to be heavily protected with new laws. Oh. And uh, if they get hurt because of a vigilante, there's someone who's going to sue like crazy or something. Like an organization? Yeah, it's like super illegal to be a vigilante, but you can be a criminal and you have more rights than any other person, mm-hmm. it would seem. It, it seems like something, people marched for it and this is what the result was. And, and you have that name of that Robin character? Yeah, it's Carrie Kelly. That's right. That's right. I don't know why I have a hard time remembering that character's name. Did you have any other thoughts about the film? What you liked or didn't like about it? What was awesome about this film was the experience I got to have with it. It was so well done and so purposeful in its storytelling. You had to really pay attention because some of the information was being given in the background Mm. while another character was being focused on. So... What it did was it made me question my own beliefs. It made me question and make comparisons to what's happening now, which is what a good comic story is supposed to do, Mm. especially those that involve heroes and villains. It's supposed to make you analyze what's happening around you right now and see how it compares and be able to think a little harder about things. The depiction of Superman being (laughs) this propaganda imagery of what people would like America to be he's kind of disposable it's it's like in a way you know well he has to behave right he's like the good little immigrant that has to behave and do what the government tells him to do Hmm. and I just think that that's really interesting and he has to behave otherwise he doesn't get to be around the people he loves or whatever Oh, the really? the place that he loves. I didn't catch that. Well, if, you know, if you think about it, the president is, is selling the idea of fear and safety needed to Superman. Please help our country. Mm-hmm. And we can't let Batman get out of hand. Mm-hmm. You need to take him out. But at the same time, he's the exception to the rule, Superman, isn't he? Because... He's kind of a vigilante too, and well, no, because he's government authorized, right? Okay, yeah, he's he's essentially the government stooge. Well, and that's not good because now the government has the power of Superman. Mm. 
and that just doesn't feel right to me so it makes me question a lot of things and that's what i really liked about this film yeah if any of this starts to sound familiar regarding superman it was by the way very poorly handled by Zack Snyder and Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Oh, I think we should totally talk about this. Well, and I talked a little bit about it, I, I think, when we talked about the decade in review. And, you know, my pick for worst movie of the decade. So maybe I, I've said enough about that, but do you have anything to say about it after having seen this version? I will say... When it came to Batman putting on his tank suit uh, armor, yeah, I was like, hey, Zack Snyder used that. And, you know, when you explained to me that Zack Snyder was trying to adapt it, I was kind of infuriated because I knew Batman v Superman was in general a disappointment. Uh-huh. I didn't know about the material disappointment linked to it uh-huh so when i realized how badly it was handled how he took pieces from this story and incorporated it into his own as a second dc film yeah then i was infuriated mm. this should have been placed like how Mar- how marvel like planned out these are how many movies we're gonna have yeah, yeah, this yeah. is where this happens that happens this is piss poor planning yeah you know like this should have been movie eight or seven in the grand scheme of things there should have been it should have been justice league first it should have been something else next blah Mm -hmm. blah blah like it's just it's like gun-ho i'm gonna do what i want i was unconsciously inspired by this story and that story and it made me really sad for Zack Snyder at the same time because he took Watchmen and did a pretty decent job with that Mm -hmm. so uh, I I really get how big fans feel about this now yeah so I thought if I could share my thoughts on the film I thought it was a great film uh, watching it again, there's so much meat to it. It adapted the source material extraordinarily well. This thing has a completely different tone from all the other DC animated movies. It's very, I mean, all of them are fairly mature, and that's pretty cool. But this one's like has a, a different kind of maturity to it. It has some sort, a certain degree of cynicism to it. It has some uh, a lot of critiques. It criticizes liberals. It criticizes the what Superman represents or has represented traditionally with the truth, justice, and the American way. It, it so it criticizes has, Republicans. Perhaps, uh, you know, you do have Reagan in the film. It 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 it's definitely a Cold War story to an extent. So there's a little bit of that in there. It gives you also, as you said before, all these character themes to really think about and chew on. So I think it's probably the richest of the DC animated movies that we have seen. And I don't know about you, but the two and a half hour runtime, I don't feel like there's really any wasted moments. I don't think there's a lot of any fat in it necessarily. I think that it has a narrative progression in that time frame you know and it really works yeah <laughs> yeah so i give the film an eight out of ten how about you oh i was gonna give it a nine. So. Oh, very cool all right so mm-hmm. that's dark knight 
Returns, the complete edition. All right, so that's... Oh, and you can get it on the DC streaming service. Very cool, which is something I just recently added. All right, so now it's time for the main event, which is our 2020 preview. Our 2020 preview, or annual preview, is when we look ahead... Uh, a year, what's coming up, and, and kind of share what we're most excited about. We give ourselves five films, five, a pick, five picks in the entire year that we want to talk about. And what we do is out of those five picks, we might have some overlap. So we talk about our respective picks, and then we talk about what we have in common that we're looking forward to after that. All right. Shanna, do you remember at all? what movies you talked about in the 2019 preview that you were looking forward to most. There was three individual picks of yours and then two that we had in common. Do you remember? Well, I'm sure Avengers Endgame made it on there. No, that was actually one oh. of my individual picks. Oh, okay. Well, okay. It was it was there in some way. Um, what about Captain Marvel? Nope. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> so, interestingly I enough... I have a concussion. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so, in terms of how our picks turned out, it was a mixed bag, but a lot of positive on your end. Your independent picks were Us. Oh, that's a good choice. <laughs> that worked out well for you. I love patting myself on the back. <laughs> yeah. It, it was Us, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood... Mm-hmm. And Little Women, Us, Little Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood were your independent picks. Well, that's pretty cool. Mine was Avengers Endgame, as you mentioned. Yeah. Spider-Man Far From Home. Oh. And Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Oh, I forgot about Star Wars. Oops. So two of those worked really well for me mm-hmm. star wars rise of skywalker still made it to my favorites list but i had a concern looking ahead about jj abrams doing it and will it be original and all oh, that sort you of stuff saw an issue. and that ended up being an actual issue i second yeah. guessed at one point in the discussion whether or not it's an actual issue but yeah it was an issue mm-hmm. <laughs> uh our two picks that we had in common do you remember what they were no, I'm having a really hard time remembering okay. that year. It's okay. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, oh, was one Jesus. of the ones we were really looking forward that to. That was such a disappointment. Of the spectacle. Hey, it had the spectacle. Ugh. It just didn't have much else going on with yeah. it. Yeah. And then uh, the movie that we were looking forward to the most together was Dark Phoenix. A movie that... <sighs> my head hurts now. ...is completely forgettable, oh, right? Oh, my God. So, mixed results. So, let's talk about... First, what we chose independently that we're looking forward to most. Shannon, do you want to start first with your number five pick of movie that you're looking forward to? Sure. I'm really looking forward to Soul. Oh. By Pete Doctor uh, and a bunch of other people. I don't have names because I've decided not to do that. But it's a Pixar um, film. It's a Pixar film, and it's by the same people as Inside Out and Up. 
So I'm there. It looks like inside out. It looks like we're, mm-hmm. it looks like we're checking out another part of ourselves mm-hmm. um, as human beings, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah. They only have their their teaser trailer out where a man is talking about what do you want to be remembered for? You know, classic speech, and all of a sudden we see his soul. So we don't know what's actually happened to him. Is he leaving his body? Isn't he? I don't know. I think it's suggested in the trailer that he died. And then it's a matter of what happens to his soul. No, I think there's an opportunity for him to come back, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll we will definitely find out. That is an excellent pick. Mm-hmm. And I was I was actually really impressed by that trailer. And in a way, it feels like a spiritual sequel to Inside Out. You know, as you intimated, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like, let's check out this other piece that makes us human. Yeah. So my first pick I'm going to talk about is Mulan. Ooh, me too. Now, we have talked a lot about how much we disapprove of Disney making remakes. Mm-hmm. And what their track record has been for the better part of the past 10 years with those remakes. And the fact that they're not contributing new material or updated material. Or new ideas. Mm-hmm. And they are very often making carbon copies of what you see in animated form. Right? Mulan seems like the, aside from Pete's Dragon, which I always forget about, that was done by David Lowry, uh, completely different from the original musical, Great improvement upon the original 70s musical, I will say. Uh, Mulan is is the only other time it seems like Disney is actually trying to do something different mm-hmm. as a remake. Yeah. It seems like they have completely abandoned the songs, which I don't remember, and the comic relief dragon, Mushu. Mm-hmm. And have and then decided to go the angle of an actual historical epic. Well, and the score seems to still exist, so that's mm. pretty cool. Yes, and it seems to me if you're going to remake Mulan, make it a very tasteful, respectful, Zanya Mao like historical epic. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very curious about that. This is the first Disney remake in quite some time that I'm actually interested in seeing. And it will be one that we will review in one way or another. It might be a bonus episode on its own, but we will definitely be checking that out. What's the next movie, uh, your second respective pick, your number four that you're most looking forward to? Tenet. Aha. With Christopher Nolan. Oh, what is his name? Washington. Oh, uh, Denzel was Washington's it, kid. Yeah, was it something like David Isaiah Washington or something like that? Yeah, I, I, I am looking forward to that. You know, we obviously because Christopher Nolan, we we don't know much about it. We didn't get to really see that. What was it? A ten minute preview? Yeah, apparently there was a ten minute preview. If you saw something in IMAX, the Star past, Wars. Okay, which yeah. we didn't do. Um, no. But we did see an awesome second trailer, and that was really exciting and you know we saw the teaser trailer and i was like yes i'm there (laughs) which didn't tell you anything it's not war i'm there (laughs) yeah but this one it has something about it looks like there's some involvement of reversing time and there's some sort of like a crime aspect interesting form of time travel yeah that is a great pick because that looks fascinating it looks like a lot of stuff is happening 
backwards real time not necessarily cgi done so there's going to be visual effects as interesting as inception yeah yeah so it's really going to be quirky it's going to be hard for our minds to wrap around it's going to be a challenge yeah so i'm really looking forward to it you know, it, you bring up Inception, and I was going to say I'm a, I'm very much uh, excited about this film because I don't think Christopher Nolan, who has made good films this past ten years, I don't think any of his films really have measured up to Inception since. Yeah. And Tenet looks like it has the potential to be excellent. Look, I love Interstellar, but I know Inception's better. Right. So I feel like Tenet has the possibility. Of sneaking in there. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's awesome. My number four is Birds of Prey. Oh, it did make your list. It's awesome. coming up really soon. I, of course, wanted to do this, like, way before it's released. <laughs> but, you know, for me, there was Star Wars and then there was Birds of Prey in terms of movies that I was absolutely joyfully excited about just watching the trailer. I've seen the trailer a couple times, and Margot Robbie just has the mannerisms of Harley Quinn down so well, and it looks like she's having a blast in this film. And I'm excited to see some version of the Birds of Prey have these characters like Black Canary and, and Huntress come to life on screen in what looks like a really cool way. I'm hopeful that Aaron McGregor's version of Black Mask isn't campy and is actually kind of kind of cool mob boss kind of thing and we saw black mask in one of the dc movies that we watched recently yes batman under the hood and that was i kind of liked it he was he was kind of uh, humorous he was but not really dramatic yes and i liked it i was like you know what if that was my job i'd be as stressed as him and be saying the things he says and (laughs) that is that is what would happen well birds of prey looks like a blast so i'm eagerly anticipating that okay so so shanna we have three films that we're both looking forward to and i'm wondering if you could speak a little bit to the first one ghostbusters afterlife oh golly if you haven't seen this trailer yet i hope you don't go looking for it yeah i hope you get surprised by it because when we saw it we weren't sure what we were looking at in the theater in the theater we didn't know yes we hadn't seen it yet Mm -hmm. and so it was like a surprise and it looks really good Yes, I'm upset that I'm not getting my other sequel I wanted. But this looks really exciting. We've got we've got the girl from Gifted. No. Yeah, I think her name is yes. McKenna Grace, if yeah. I remember correctly. And then we've got the kid from Parenthood. Kid from Parenthood? Isn't it from the show? From the show Parenthood? I know Finn Wolfhard is in the movie. Oh, who's From that? Stranger Things. Oh, that's what I'm confused by. I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, it looks like we have a stellar cast. It looks, Paul Rudd is in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it looks like the visuals are going to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, I don't know what exactly is happening in this story, but I'm very excited. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. a weird thing to say. I hope you don't um, yeah. look for the trailer w- about a movie that we're looking forward to. But 
you speak essentially to this idea of it slowly revealing itself to you and being a surprise. Yeah. And of course, if you look for it online, all of that's kind of taken away from you because you know it's the Ghostbusters trailer. Um, as opposed to seeing it in the theater and all of a sudden discovering what it is. That's kind of part of the fun of of it, I think, and what makes it so fresh and exciting because it's definitely unlike any other Ghostbusters movie we've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And it is definitely a sequel to the original Ghostbusters movie and a potential jumping-off point for a whole new series of films. And all of that is very interesting and very exciting, especially when you have the Reitmans involved, the originators of the original, well, the originators of the series. So that is definitely something that we are giddy about. (laughs) The second film, and I feel like it could go either way what number one and number two is. I feel like we have an equal amount of anticipation for this. But I'm going to say... The next film is Dune. Oh, this is my top one. <laughs> with Denis Villeneuve yeah, directing. And it's because of Denis. Uh, end of the year release. Huge cast that I can't even recite right now off the top of my head. But pretty much everybody is in this movie. It is an adaptation of the classic Frank Herbert sci-fi epic novel that has a lot to do with trading and, and um, what do you call it? Commodities and goods. But this looks like, I mean, we, there's no trailer or anything that exists. It's way too soon. Yeah, nothing's out there. But it has the potential to be extraordinary and the best version of this film. Of course, we talked what, a year or two ago about David Lynch's version of Dune, which you actually ended up liking and I thought was really silly. Well, and our son liked it too. And so when he found out that they're remaking it, he's mm-hmm. actually really pumped. Yeah, the cast you're showing me here, who does it include? Well, we've got Zendaya, which mm. I'm like, really? That's exciting. We've got Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista. Oh, my God. Jason Momoa is in this. Yep. This is so exciting. And I think there's even more. Javier Bardem. Yeah, and, and Charlotte Rampling. And then Hans Zimmer is doing the music. Oh, very um, nice. Greg Frazier is doing the cinematography, which I can only assume is going to be great. I'm not really familiar with him. Apparently, he did the cinematography for Vice. Oh, he's done Rogue One. Okay. Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, so it's probably going to be, I would assume it's going to be a little contrasty. Okay. Uh, maybe more on the dark side. Okay. But if you're in this planet of Dune, so it, it might not be. As dark as I might think. Yeah, so the only reason why this isn't number one for me is I'm still waiting to see a trailer to really to set decide. me over the edge. Okay. But it's, it's, Denis Villeneuve is one of the best directors of the last decade. He had a great run, and I'm really hoping that he really sets things over the top. He did a great job with the Blade Runner sequel. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think he, uh, I he improved <laughs> on the original. So Yeah, I yeah. trust him. So I feel like this is a good project for him to have. All right, Shannon, do you want to introduce the movie we're looking forward to most this year? Yes. Dune. <laughs> <laughs> it's Wonder Woman 1984. That's right. The, I, we got to see the trailer in the biggest screen at the cinema, and that was pretty exciting. And yep. I have no idea what's going to happen in this film. 
I don't know why certain things are happening. Right. And I can, I think we know that Cheetah is going to be in it. We know Cheetah's in it, yeah. but you don't see her in the trailer, really. Yeah, so, but we know who it's going to be. And Played by Kristen Wiig, by yeah. the way. It's worth noting. So. The only concern I have is the fact that Steve Trevor is back. I'm hoping that is justified in such a way that it never at any point feels like, oh, because it's Chris Pine that got him back. You know, and it feels narratively like it makes sense why he's back and isn't really thin. That's my only worry. But I, I trust Patty Jenkins. You know what? If she I hope she was responsible for bringing him back, because if she is responsible for bringing him back, there's going to be a good reason. Maybe. So fingers crossed there. But it's interesting. I'm apparently looking forward to Wonder Woman. A little bit more than you are. You're looking forward to doing a little bit more than I am. So it's a toss-up between those two films in terms of what we're both looking forward to most. But we are looking forward to those films for sure. Uh, Was there any other films you want to just give a real brief shout-out to that you're um, excited about? Or anything that you're like, uh, you know, you want to speak to that's just... Uh, why are they doing that kind of thing? I am excited to see the New Mutants. The trailer still looks good. Uh, you know, the trailer looked good the last time we saw one. What, three or six years ago? And so... <laughs> it was a year ago. I'm so still ago. pumped about the cast. I really hope it's not going to be a fuck around like what they did to uh, Phoenix. Oh, okay. So I really hope they've treated those people properly because, you know, I think they're all good people. Anyway, I'm also looking forward to Mulan, uh, The Quiet Place 2. I just saw an Ellen yesterday. Uh, what's her bucket was on there? Emily Blunt. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Uh, she was on there being her charming self. I'm really looking forward to Wendy. That's the same people that did Beasts of the Southern Wild. Ben Zeitlin. So it's it's going to be really interesting. What And how fun is it to like focus on Wendy for a change? It's interesting. So then I'm also looking forward to The promise, uh, Promising Young Woman. That looks like it's going to be deviously, deliciously fun. You stole my thunder there. Oh, I did. I'm so sorry. those who's not familiar with Promising Young Woman, what she does is she pretends to be drunk. Yeah. She allows some quote-unquote nice guy to take her home, to take care of her, and then inevitably that nice guy goes too far and she... Exacts revenge. The nice guy tries to rape her. Essentially, well, we haven't seen explicitly in the trailers what happens. Wow, you sound like but, a man. I love you, but this uh, is promising you. young woman. Let's just get on task yet, okay? <laughs> uh, at any rate, uh, I, that is one I'm looking forward to as well because it looks like it has a lot of uh, potential. And I think currently from Sundance, it has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh wow! So, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. I'm so excited. Any, anything else you wanted to mention, give a shout out to, or just uh, decry? You know, I tried to stay positive in this episode. Fair enough. Do you have something? Okay, so really quickly, things that I'm also really looking forward to. No Time to Die, the latest James Bond movie. I'm also looking forward to the new Mutants. Fingers crossed. Very hopeful of that. That has been since announced to be um, kind of enveloped into... Uh, the MCU, so I don't know if there's extra scenes that they have shot to do that, but that could be very promising down the line. The thing about this year that I find really intriguing is you have work 
from so many great directors coming out this year, it actually adds to the excitement. You have work by Ben Zeitlin, as mentioned, Kelly Reichardt, Nikki Caro, Kerry Fukunaga, which is the James Bond movie, Armando Iannucci, Joe Wright, Justin Lin, John Chu, James Wan, Judd Apatow, Christopher Nolan, as you mentioned, Shanna, Aaron Sorkin, Edgar Wright, Andy Serkis, he's doing Venom 2, Robert Zemeckis, uh, Ken, Robert Zemeckis is doing The Witches, I think, Kenneth Branagh, David Gordon Green, he's bringing back Halloween for a sequel, Taylor Sheridan, Chloe Zhao, Steven Spielberg, Craig Brewer, Paul Greengrass, and Ridley Scott. That is pretty freaking exciting. Mm-hmm. So no matter what we know of or know about, uh, details or otherwise, we do know that there is a, a good handful of films to look forward to during the course of the year. Mm-hmm. What I'm not excited about is Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. You haven't even seen Top Gun yet. Yeah, well, I'm not excited about the second one either. I'm not excited <laughs> about a Minions prequel. I'm not excited about the Hitman's wife's bodyguard. The Hitman's bodyguard, a movie from a couple years ago that I thought was all right. Do I need to see anything more from that? No. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. sure anybody really is begging for that either. You know, The Keen's Man, not really thrilled about that. Um, I think I'm done with the Kingsman series. Mm-hmm. Venom 2, I'm not really excited about, although I do think Andy Serkis being in, uh, being the director is intriguing. But eh, Snake Eyes, a spinoff of G.I. Joe, not excited about that. Uh. But yeah, so, you know, kind of the normal stuff that you would expect. Coming to America, which for whatever reason isn't coming out until the end of the year... A movie that is a sequel to a film from 1988. I'm not... A lot of people are excited about this, but I'm I'm kind of not, really. Because it's a movie that's a sequel to a movie from 1988. And do we really need to make a sequel to Coming to America? I don't know. It better have some really maybe, smart maybe stuff. Maybe it can be Coming to Africa, because maybe... How did it end? Did that's, they end up living in America, or did they end up living in... Africa. Hmm. I know that there's a lot of people that will are screaming right now at the podcast of how it ended. But it's been like at least three years since I've seen it, so I don't remember that well. That said, maybe, maybe, Shanna, it will be smart enough to have something to say about immigration. What do you think? I mean, you could go either way with this. I'm trying to see how the darn thing and something about a wedding procession he obviously had to go back to africa to get married because that was the okay the thing right i guess it, it could be really interesting maybe there's a kid and maybe the kid is half american because of the mom and you know half african i i don't remember the country but i know it's not a real country right so I'm, i don't care <laughs> <laughs> and so i mean it, it, interesting way yeah and still be comedic so maybe it will who knows? We will find out uh, just under a year from now, I guess. So that's that's kind of 
my thoughts on the year. I know there's a whole lot more to mine, but you know, you could spend at least an hour alone just going through every single title and sharing thoughts and opinions on, on those things. But that's why we are curious what you are looking forward to most in 2020. Feel free to email us at the Gibson review at gmail.com. Other things that you can look forward to from us in 2020 is right now we're working on a DC and animated project going through most of the dc animated movies i'm going to publish a ranking of the best dc animated movies our episode on birds of prey which will be the next episode will also include our favorite dc movies both live action and animated will be included in that list we're also preparing to bring back film faves year by year uh this year it will be decade by decade now uh for a variety of reasons we'll talk about later so now we're looking at the 1970s so you can look forward to a favorites list of that decade feel free to brush up on your 70s movies in the meantime and then also uh i'm hoping this year to knock out all of my charlie chaplin blind spots um oh, and that's a fun idea watching all of his movies that i haven't seen before his full feature films that is and uh, other notable spots in his career and we have so much stuff on our streaming queue what we're going to do is every episode in our weekend review we're going to try to have at least one thing from our streaming queue to talk about that we have seen be it a limited series, an actual series, or a movie. Uh, Shanna, I know you have a lot on Netflix that you're interested in, so um, we have a lot to chip away at, so we're going to try to do that during the course of this year. So lots of interesting things to look forward to in 2020. In the meantime, Shanna, why don't you share with everybody where they can find you online? You can find me politely at Shanna underscore Paxton underscore photography on Instagram. Excellent. Go politely to thegibsonreview.com. <laughs> Go on Don't be jerks. Okay. Facebook uh, slash the Gibson Review. Instagram, the Gibson 99. Find me on the uh, flick chart, the Gibson 99 there as well. You can always subscribe to this show on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If there's a review option, please do so so more movie lovers can find us. Definitely check out the best of the 2010s to see my top 10 movies of the 2010s of the last decade, as well as my picks for the worst movies of the decade and my top 100 list check that out at the gibsonreview.com there and click on the best of 2010s tab to see that year-long work there's a lot of work that put into that feel free to give me some feedback on that work too and what your thoughts are and what your picks are until next time keep loving the movies this is jeff and shanna saying bye-bye